I'll tell you what. I love Easter. I love Easter. And it's not just Easter itself. It's like the whole spring thing. I just love spring. I love everything about it. It's in my top five favorite seasons. I guarantee you it's amazing. Fresh cut grass. Okay, the smell of fresh cut grass. The windows finally open, airing out the house. Windows down in the car, break the flip-flops out of the closet. I love spring. There's something about spring that is just so refreshing, isn't it? It's like a new start. It's, it's, I know we have New Year's, but it's still January, so it feels awful. But, you know, you got the start of the new year. But spring just feels like the beginning. You go through the whole spring cleaning thing and sorting out your closet. And it's, and it's just like everything's fresh and new. The trees start to bud. And I don't have allergies, so that's amazing for me. Um, not for many of you. The, the, the flowers start blooming. It's just the whole season is absolutely incredible. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we actually got a spring this year. Are you paying attention? Pay attention to this because it doesn't happen very often. We usually jump right from winter into summer. It goes from freezing cold to blazing hot. And this year we've had like, it's been like five or six weeks of pretty nice weather consistently able to get outside and play and go, oh, it's, it's just amazing. I love it. There's something about a fresh start. And that is what Easter is all about. It's about fresh starts and new beginnings. That's why, that's why all the icons outside of Christianity, all the icons of Easter are things that have to do with new life. Eggs. You ever wonder why we have eggs at Easter? New life, right? Bunnies. You can, draw, you can make the connection there however you want to. Okay. Right? flowers. It's, it's all about new life and spring and the beginning of something new. And that really is what Easter is all about. So we, our family dives into that. We do the candy thing and the Easter egg hunt thing. And we did, we did the Easter egg hunt over at Lake Community Church yesterday. And they're amazing. And it was a great time over there. Um, and we do dying Easter eggs. We dyed Easter eggs this year. And I guess times are changing because this year it was emoji Easter eggs at the Allen household. So things are changing. But there's something about new that feels so good. And what I know from life and what you've probably experienced from life is that over and over and over again, we feel like we need a fresh start. We need a new beginning. And I think that's just the reality of humanity and it's the reality of life as it is. Things get messy, right? The house gets messy and so you do spring cleaning. Relationships get messy, and so then you have to forgive each other and start over. Your career gets messy, and sometimes you need to start that over. Things just get dirty and eventually need a fresh start. And so we get to points in our life where we realize we need something new. Something needs to change. We need to start over. We need to reset and begin again. And that's why Easter is so significant. That's why it is so important to us. Because when we think about, listen, when a lot of people think about Easter, the first thought is about the cross. And that, and, and that makes sense because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth in human form. He lived a sinless life and he gave his life on the cross for us. He did that for us. It happened. And he did that because we need to be forgiven. But because our sins need to be put in the past, because our sin creates a barrier between us and God. And so that had to happen in order for us to have a relationship with God. But that's not why we celebrate Easter. 
We don't celebrate Easter because God has put the past behind us. He's put the past in the past and forgiven us. We celebrate Easter because of the resurrection. Because when, when people thought that all hope was lost, when the people who had spent years with Jesus Christ, following him, eating with him, sleeping with him, talking with him, getting to know him, learning from him. They put all of their hope and all of their trust and all of their joy into this one man who was going to lead them and who was going to take over and who was, who was going to be the king of kings. He was going to be the Messiah. When he died, all their hope was gone. They didn't know what to do. They felt like everything was crashing in around them. They felt like everything was falling apart around them. And I know the reality is, as nice as spring is and as refreshing as it is to have the windows down and smell that cool breeze coming through, some of you feel like everything's crashing down around you right now. But the hope that we have is that when they showed up to the tomb where Jesus was supposed to be and brought the spices that they were going to use to continue the embalming process on the body, he wasn't there. And that's what we read about in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verses 1 through 8 says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They fully expected Jesus to be there. Jesus, Jesus had talked about dying and rising again, and he'd used all kinds of metaphors, and he even did the Lord's Supper, right, with the, at, at the, the Last Supper with his disciples. But they still didn't get it. They still expected him to be there. Verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, as you probably would be too, wondering what's going on. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, these guys are angels, by the way. And you're going to notice something is if you read through scripture, every time an angel shows up, what does it say? Every time an angel shows up, they were frightened. <laughs> you know why? Because we picture angels as being like these like beautiful things with wings and everything. Mm -mm. That's not the deal. Angels are scary. They are scary. To even look at them and to understand the power that they have is overwhelming. And so people just fall down on their face when they see an angel. And so they show up to the tomb. The body's not there. These two dazzling men, stunning, disorienting men are there. And they say this. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? As if they should know, right? He's like, why, what, what, why are you here? You should know. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day? And they remembered his words. See, God is not just in the business of burying the dead and leaving the past in the past. God is not just in the business of forgiving your sin. God is in the business of breathing life into dead things and bringing them back to life, raising them back to life. And so when you think about your sin and you think about the things you've been forgiven, God isn't, his goal isn't just to put those things in the past. His, his, his desire is to take those things and to take your life and to breathe new life into it to turn your life into something that it couldn't be on its own without the power of the Spirit. 
He's in the power, he's in the business of resurrecting things, taking things that were once lifeless and once worthless, once painful, once lost, and reanimating them, empowering them, fueling them, bringing them back to life. And Paul, later in the New Testament, says this in 1 Corinthians. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so Adam, first sin, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. See, without Christ and without the resurrection, we're dead. That's all it is. Our life is on a continual path to death from the day we are born. That's the trajectory we're on. And not only death, eternal, being separated from God forever, but now, which if you need proof on that, I can give you proof. Just look at a kid. If you ever looked at kids and thought, man, they are so full of life. They are so full of joy. They have this energy that comes from, they're so optimistic about everything. And then you look at an adult. As cynical and jaded as we are, It's, it's almost as if life just sucks the life out of us. It's almost as if from the day that we are born, we are in the process of dying. And that as life goes on, death just sinks in more and more and more and drags us further and further down and further and further away from God until ultimately we are completely separated from him forever. But God, in his great mercy, had a different plan. And so he sent Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, and he died for us. And that's not the end, but it is the means. The the cross is not the end. The grave is the end. The, The cross is the means. The cross is where we get access to God again. Because our sin, the things we've done wrong, all of those things, they create a barrier between us and God that will last forever if something's not done. So we have to be forgiven. And the God of the universe who created heaven and created earth and created you and created me wants a relationship with you wants to raise you to life, wants to, wants to help you become the person that he originally designed you to become, not the person that the world is dragging you down to be. He wants to raise you just like he raised Jesus Christ. And so the cross isn't enough. If Jesus dies on the cross and he doesn't raise, then who is he? He's just anybody else, isn't he? I know tons of people that have claimed to be a savior, claimed to be a teacher. They died and then they were gone. But Jesus Christ didn't. Jesus Christ rose again to prove he has power over sin and death. Death does not have to be your destiny. Life can be your destiny. And so the whole point of Easter is this. God raised Jesus so he could raise you. God raised Jesus so he could raise you. So he could raise you back to life. So you could become the person he designed you to be. Because apart from him, you're lost. And as we stare at an empty tomb, 
and think about a risen Savior. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I on a path to death or am I on a path to life? Am I on a path to death or am I on a path to life? And I'm not just talking forever. I'm not just talking after we die. I'm talking about now. Am I on a path to death or am I on a path to life? Peter said this. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Catch those words. Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you have a living hope? Would you say that characterizes you? You have a living hope. You have a hope that's alive in you because of what Jesus Christ has done. Do you believe that God can take what is dead in your life and breathe life back into it? Do you believe he can take what you thought was lost and find it again? Jesus had a really close friend who died. And he showed up for the uh, funeral four days after he died. And uh, the, the deceased sister looked at him and was crying, was, was um, overwhelmed with grief as we often are at funerals. And Jesus looked back at her and he said this, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he said, do you believe this? He said, I'm the resurrection life. Do you believe this? She said, yes. And he raised Lazarus back to life. So I don't know what in your life you may think is dead. What you may think is gone. What you may think is lost. You, you might think, my marriage is dead. There's no saving it. I mean, it, it's flatlined. You might think that your career is lost. You may think that's dead. You might think your purpose, maybe that's part of that career thing. You may feel like your purpose is dead. It's over. You may feel like, you may feel like your sense of self-worth and value is gone. That because of what you've done or because of what's been done to you, that that is, it's, it's over. That there's, there's no getting that back. It's lost. You may feel like your optimism is gone because of what's happened to you in life. Just, I can't even have a positive outlook on life because of everything that's happened. I just know everything's going to go wrong. I, is, you may think that your finances are dead, <laughs> that it's over. Do you believe that Jesus could raise that back to life? Do you believe that he could redeem that somehow? Do you believe that he could restore it? Do you believe that he could add value to it, even though he may not fix it? I mean, he might not give you more money. He might, he, he might not put the marriage back together. Takes two to tango on that, right? So he may not fix everything that you're in, but do you believe that, that value can come out of it? Do you believe that even if he doesn't, even if your situation doesn't get better, you could get better? That even if your situation doesn't rise, you could rise? Do you believe that? Because that's the business that God is in. 
not just of making amends, but feeding with life. And he wants to fill you with life and he wants to raise you to life, but you have to choose it. You have to choose it every single day because if we don't accept his power, if we don't accept salvation through Christ, and then if we don't accept the power of his spirit regenerating us and renewing us every single day, if we're not constantly renewed and changing the way we think and trying to align it more and more to God's and being filled with life and filled with his breath and with his spirit, if we're not doing that, then we just default back to our own, our own power. And all that does is send us on a path to death. Never works out. Never. but you have tremendous power that's available to you if you choose to follow Jesus Christ. Power to change, power to be filled with life. In Romans, it says this, do you, do you not know? This is going to be a bit of scripture, so just soak it in. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So those of us that have chosen to follow Christ, we are forgiven of our sin, yes. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, in order that, okay, this is the purpose. So that's the, the forgiveness, salvation, the cross is the means. But in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So, so, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And remember, and your members to God as instruments for, un, for righteousness. For sin, and this is what I, I want you to hear this last verse, all right? This is like the exclamation point. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Jesus Christ, by his resurrection, has conquered death, has destroyed death, so that if you respond to him, if you ask him for forgiveness, and, and if you start your life with him, he wants to take what was dead in your life and raise it to life so that sin doesn't have to reign in you, sin, sin doesn't have to have control over you, death doesn't have to loom heavy over you, but you can be free. You can be free. You don't have to feel hindered by anything, weighed down by anything. If there are things that you've done in your past that cause you to have shame or to have guilt, things that you want to hide, things that you want to tuck away so that nobody else can see, you don't have to hide those things anymore. You don't have to fear them anymore. You don't have to fear the repercussions of your actions with God anymore. He has forgiven you and he wants to fill you with life, not death. And that's what Easter means for us. It's a reminder that we are free. It's a reminder that nothing has control 
over us, that we have freely given our lives to God and that he wants to fill us with life just like he filled Jesus to life. God raised Jesus so he could raise you. But you have to accept that. You have to live in it. I mean, Easter is not just a day for bunnies and eggs, as fun as those things are. It's not just a day to quaintly think about an empty tomb or like a hazy picture of Jesus or angels in the garden. Easter is a day for us to make decisions. Faced with an empty tomb, we have, to dis- we have to make decisions on whether we are responding to the life that God wants to give us. And we're making those decisions and we're saying, I'm not going to let sin reign in my moral body. I'm not going to let death come in and control me. I'm not going to let it control my thoughts or my actions. I'm not going to let it drive my heart down. I'm not going de- to let depression control me because God wants to raise me to life. I'm not going to let anxiety overwhelm me because God has raised Jesus from the dead. I'm not going to be afraid of my future with my marriage because God has conquered the grave and he's going to show me everything that I need to do to do my part in that that marriage. And if he restores it, it's a miracle from him. And if he doesn't, he has plans for me through that. It's, it's to look at a risen savior and say, he is raising me to life and will continue to raise me to life. It's a day for hope. It's a day for joy. It's a day for peace with God. It's a day to make decisions because there may be things in your life that are keeping you from that, that are holding you back from that. There may be decisions that you are making that are leaving, leading you down the path to death, and today you need to say, no, I'm choosing life, so I'm going to change. I'm going to change the way I'm thinking about that. I'm going to change the way I'm acting. And maybe the decision to say, I, I know my entire life is on a path towards death right now and separation from God forever because my sin is still between me and God. I'm telling you today you can choose life. You can, choose, you can choose today to start a relationship with God, and he will forgive you. It, does not, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how heinous it is. It doesn't matter how much shame it brings you. It doesn't matter how dark and seedy you may think it is. God's seen it all. He's forgiven it all. He will forgive you, wipe the slate clean, and today you can have a new start with God, a new beginning. He'll wipe it all out. And the purpose of that is so that you can have a relationship with God. You can do that today, right now, a brand new start. I mean, Easter, incarnate, in you. That just as God raised Jesus, he can take you right now and raise you from death to life. As somebody who has experienced that, And I'm sure many of you would testify to the same because you've experienced the same thing. I'm telling you, it gives you a freedom you can't possibly understand. You can't possibly understand it until you make the decision because you have been under the weight of sin your entire life. And to be free from that was a completely new experience. To be raised from death to life. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for for you. I want to pray for all of you as... um, I guess I'll pray for myself too because I got decisions to make. So um, let's let's pray together, and um, let's take some steps um, together, steps to um, to choose life. So um, let's pray. God, I just um, 
come to you and just want to take a breath and recognize that um, we are completely undeserving of your love. We have done, you know, there are so many people, God, who think that they can make their way to you by being a good person, and it's laughable. It's laughable to think that us, with, with all the mistakes we've made, with the shame that we carry, with the guilt that hangs heavy over us, that we could be good enough, that we could do enough good things to be in the presence of a holy God. You are completely holy. You are completely set apart. You are completely without spot. You are completely without blemish. And for us to even think that we could walk in with even the ounce of sin, with even an ounce of imperfection, is it's completely, completely ridiculous. And so, God, I thank you that you still love us. That your word says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we chose you, you chose us. And it is your mercy, your decision to not impose the punishment that we deserve. We fully deserve to be separated from you forever. But you loved us enough to send your son here to die for us. And you take that just and right penalty that belongs to me and you put it on him. Jesus, thank you. God, I thank you that Jesus, as he died on the cross, paid for our sin. We thank you for that. I pray that there would be people today who would respond to that for the first time. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you, God, let me talk to the church just for a second. Maybe that's you and you um, you realize that you failed. And I don't know, maybe you felt like you weren't good enough. Maybe you felt like um, God wouldn't love you and he wouldn't forgive you. And you need to know that he will. There's nothing he hasn't seen. He will. He knew He knew what you would, even if you're the first person that ever did what you did, he knew about it before you did it. And even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. And maybe today you ask him to forgive you. He will forgive you. He will wipe you clean with a new slate and a new start and that begins a relationship with him. God, I pray that you would put that into people's hearts that you would tear down all the walls of pride and arrogance that make us think that we can earn our way to you and make us think that we're smarter, that we're better when we're not. And that you fill us with humility to say, God, you are higher. You are greater. We believe, God, that Jesus Christ died for our sin, but that it did not end there. That he was put into the tomb and that God, by your power, By your strength, you raised him back to life. That hundreds of people saw him alive and witnessed to it. That people were so convinced of Jesus' resurrection that they gave their life in brutal ways. Thank you, God, that you raised him to life. 
because it proves that you have power over sin, that you have power over death, that our enemy cannot defeat us, that he cannot hold us down, that he cannot stop us. And even in the middle of a messed up world, a world full of sin, a world full of pain, a world full of turmoil, that you want to take us as individuals and pour your spirit into us and raise us back to life to help us begin becoming the person that you originally created us to be. We know that won't be perfected until we're with you in heaven, but we are working on it now. And I pray that God, you are working in us to raise us to life, to give us hope, to give us joy, to fill us with all of those things. And to know that we can't change the entire world, but you can change us and we can change those around us. So I I pray God that as we make decisions, as we look at the things in our life, the decisions that we've made that have started us back down a path to death and we ask forgiveness for those things and we turn away from those things as those decisions are being made in the room today, that you would honor them, God, that you would empower them, that things would change, that we would change. God, as decisions are made today to walk more closely with you, to experience your power and to see that in our life. God, I pray that you'd help us stay faithful to those decisions as decisions are made to follow you for the first time. I pray, God, that if someone today chooses to accept you as their Savior for the first time, you would fill them with your Spirit right now. That you would raise them in this moment from death to life, a new path, a new trajectory, a new course in their life path towards you and eternity with you and that you begin changing them even now. We thank you, God, for your risen son and that just as he was raised, we can be raised. It's in your name we pray. Amen.